So, you know, uh, we, we play some crazy shit. We play some nice stuff. We're going to hand it over to the next people. You know, like, sometimes it's really great to do OT. Other times people are kind of just not down with it. So I'm going to play a little bit of the best of trip-hop and down-tempo music. And it's important to catch a, catch a chill. And then change its nature by multiplicity of operations. Isn't this cool? Immediately, it's like just so much more chill. Like Neubauten brought it up to that cheesy point of like just like no return. Hey, can you shut that down there right there with, with the uh, um, no 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 no? Put me back up. The uh, the machine over here. Sign out of it. So save it. So learn to save it. Okay. Hey, I'm gonna let you guys go with the trip hop. Dig on it. It's got, got a great mix coming for you. And we'll be back next week with, I think, maybe Fuzz Attack. We'll see what happens. Love you guys. Roxy Roller signing out for now.
Testing, testing. Terry is here from Bake Your Own Death, and this is uh, DJ Aisha from Sounds from the Street. How's it going, Terry? Really good. Am I talking in the middle of the mic or this one? Or that uh, one? Let's, let's test. Test, test, Hello, test. hello. Yep, perfect. Hey. I found it. I'm great. Just drove out through the hailstorm. <laughs> you survived to tell the tale. I did, so far. <laughs> awesome. So tell me uh, what you've been up to musically. Um, right now, we are in pre-production. We're trying to do a new record that'll come out around March or April. Mm-hmm. So we started recording a little bit, but uh, we're really just writing and kind of you know pre-production, meaning like we recorded ourselves and kind of listen back and see if the arrangements are good, this and that. Um, so that started in about halfway through November, and then December is kind of like a just a screwed up month for everybody to get together, and so we're getting back into it heavy like next week. Next week. Is that when the real New Year begins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll have some shows coming up in uh, February and March. Mm-hmm, we're kind mm-hmm. of like working them out right now. Hoping That's... to do a noise pop show. Oh yeah, that'd well. be awesome. There's a couple good ones in February. I saw. I was like, wow, it's like venues that I've been to, but it's like back to back. So I'm like, wow, I'm gonna be going to the Indie, the Bottom of the Hill. It's, you know, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, it's always cool. <laughs> They tend to um, surprise me each year. Like, you know, you always think like, oh, this is, that's just going to be the last year. It's not going to be cool next year. And then mm-hmm, they end up mm-hmm. putting together some good shows. Yeah. What's been your favorite venue to play in San Francisco? Well, I'm a little old school. And so I definitely am still a Bomber Hill person. Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing there. I love the staff. I love the feel of the place, the sound. But, you know, we'll, we'll play Rickshaw Stop. Um, we uh, used to play... Um, the hemlock a lot oh i miss that place you know i have like some of my best times there that's a real bummer to see that go yeah it was such a great spot you know if you want to go to the bar if you want to see a show just walk a couple steps (laughs) it was so visceral and small like Mm -hmm, the shows mm -hmm. we had this crazy show that we didn't realize was right in the middle of SantaCon was going on so they go down polk street yeah so we go on stage and our crowd's there and it's like maybe 40, 50 people mm-hmm. wasn't that big. And then all of a sudden the place just fills up with hundreds of Santas and it was just packed. People couldn't move. And we were like just pressed up against the back wall on the stage with just drunk, obnoxious Santa Clauses who, you know, for all intents and purposes, I have no, uh, sympathy or oh, yeah. for, but they, uh, they just made the show crazy. So we were like surfing literally on the, on the hands of like guys dressed up like Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> I can picture it perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, didn't they? So I think this year they canceled it, but then they somehow brought it back and it was based at Union Square. So it was kind of like it was still happening. I really know nothing about it. Yeah. Just like this was just, you know, we were on stage and they they came in. It could have been, they could have been dressed up like, you know, rabbis. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was just, it happened. Yeah. So question for you. Do you, it sounds like you celebrate Hanukkah. Do you also celebrate Christmas? I do. Um, We don't really, we don't really do either one properly or or religiously for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I do got uh, kids and they uh, like uh, Christmas. I mean, like taking Christmas away from American children seems to be a a form of torture. And I have a lot of Jewish friends who would, you know, slap me in the face for saying that but mm-hmm. i just feel like you know the whole hanukkah thing is is ritual and cool but it's not like the, the magic thing of like the big fat guy coming to your house and leaving all these presents mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. so we do them both 
That's amazing. Yeah, I got to celebrate both once, but then I was like, I want to do it every year. And my mom was just like, it's all about Christmas. That's all I care about. So it wasn't really up to me. But then I'm slowly, slowly bringing it back with the menorah and the chocolates and the dreidel and all that stuff. That's cool. I, I, don't, I mean, if it was up to me, we'd probably do nothing. I'm, I'm like, you know, that whole... Just show dog yeah. and pony show yeah. thing. It just it, it makes me insane. Yeah. But at least we don't shop anymore, right? Nobody goes to the malls anymore. No, they don't. I I do because I kind of live in that neighborhood, unfortunately. So I'm like, well, you know, nobody's going to be out, so I'm going to go out. That kind of thing. Yeah. But um, no, you're totally right. Retail is just dead, completely dead. Um, yeah, that's for, sad. For better or for worse. How are you feeling about Amazon these days? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's a love hate thing. I, I don't really know what to think about the overall takeover of the world, but I've seen it take over bookstores and record stores in a way that is, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a super loss, you know, like I was just walking out 24th street on the way here and 24th street still has like, you know, you got, uh, two versions of the same bookstore and Mm -hmm. then, um, like three or four record stores and it's so cool. And that is old nineties San Francisco to me. Yep. The rest of this town is the, it's you used to see these places just get hollowed out and gone. Yeah, I used to just spend time in record stores, just thumbing through, and of course that's coming back now with vinyl. Right. Mm-hmm. But just thumbing through stuff and actually like discovering things that I had never even heard of just by looking at the album cover and like looking at recommendations from the staff and that kind of stuff. I don't think people do that. You know, I I, I actually teach eighth grade, so I have like 13, 14 year old kids in my class. Mm-hmm. I don't think they know what an album is. Oh, gosh, you need to bring one in. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they don't know the concept of having, like, a, a, a theme, you know, running through a piece of music from start to finish. It's just, like, singles and singles, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. compilations. Right. That's, That's a bummer. It's a loss. Yes, but definitely if you're able to one day, like, bring in an album, and if it's somehow educationally based or appropriate, then you can All right, I'll do it. widen their perspective. It's going to happen. <laughs> that was great, yeah. I mean, I went to school in the 90s. I was, was I in eighth grade in the 90s? I was. Um, that's how old I am, but. Uh, yeah, and even back then, you know, records, you kind of didn't talk about it unless your friends or your parents were, were doing it sort of thing. But I'm glad that it's, you know, it's coming back. Um, yeah, well, just like as, a, as an artist, you know, you used to think about the concept of an album and like, you know, what's going to be the first song? What's going to, I mean, if you were actually doing vinyl, you would think, well, what's going to be the, the first song on the B-side? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just like to lead you through a, a movement of music, um, I don't feel like people are doing that anymore i mean i I know some i mean the ocs are doing that you know Mm -hmm. people are doing it but it's it's small it's a it's a very niche thing and it's you know it may not be in san francisco it may be on the other side of the world somewhere in europe like norway and you would only know about them through the wonders of social media that too (laughs) yeah all right It's a good, it's a good connection there. But I think, do you think with technology, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword where it's like, oh, it has some good things. Like you're, you're branching out and you're getting the word out there. But then on the other side, it's less personal and it's less, you know, about yeah. your. I mean, I, I used to feel like, you know, uh, everybody's complaining about technology is like the old man complaining about the baseballs on his lawn and just like, you know, doesn't want to see progress. Yeah. But I, I don't anymore. Actually, mm-hmm. with especially mm-hmm. with social media, I mean, we've all seen that to just be crap. Like, oh yeah, that has done nothing good for the world. It hasn't. Um, 
Horse shit, I hear from the galley. Yeah. So, you know. To each their own. <laughs> I try, I don't know. I, I mean, like, even in my classroom, I, I try to keep technology out as much as possible. It's, it's not the way that it's going now. Everybody's going the other direction. But, you know, there's these things called books. Right. You know, thumb through the pages. And mm-hmm. You get spaghetti on them, and then you go back and you the story of the spaghetti on this page. <laughs> you destroy them. Or like in the good old days at the library. I think libraries are still around. The card. Well, nobody's getting paid there right now, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Even, yeah, on, on school campuses, too, right? I, don't, I think schools are run by the states for the most part, but it, it's like all the, you know, the, the public libraries. I actually I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> that it's it's crazy, but apparently the shutdown is like the longer that it's happening, it's really just going to affect all of us. Eventually, it's kind of scary. It's making this little mini man so just frightfully alone and all by himself. And it's it's it would be hilarious if it wasn't so tragic. Yeah, that's he, true. Uh, you know, he came out and said that he's willing to like dig his feet in for years on this. You know. Like, it's just ridiculous. It really is. I agree. Um, but it's exciting to see, you know, people in Congress, like, having a different attitude. Yeah. And hopefully um, they're going to do some of the things that they said they were going to do to get elected. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I loved how, um, uh, wait, what's her, Cortez? Ocasio-Cortez? Yeah. How they tried to smear her with this video where she's dancing. And it's like, everybody loves it. And it's awesome. <laughs> I love it, too. You know, the only tragic thing is the, the dudes in the video are just lame, but, the, but she's right? awesome. Yeah. I was like, girl, were you in flash dance? Because yeah. what's going on there? <laughs> uh, who wouldn't want someone who could dance in Congress? Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's positive energy. It's, it's not, you know, on its way out. Uh, some of those people might not be around very long. <laughs> In terms of their lifespan, yeah, literally. That's the hope. Um, so that's, yeah, gives us hope. But, anyways, back to the music. Um, so, you're planning a couple shows here in the Bay Area. Where can people find out more about you guys online? Um, we, you know, we're on everything, all the social media stuff or whatever. But also, uh, we have a Bandcamp page, which, mm-hmm. is, which is the one that I actually control that has, like, you know, update stuff. Um, like I said, uh, you know, December was sort of this month where everybody shuts down. And so um, I think we're going to get organized and figure out those shows by the end of, you know, either next week or the week after. Mm-hmm. Within the next two weeks, we'll have shows up there in San Francisco. And we're going to go down to L.A., nice. probably Portland. We're talking about doing um, a festival out in Iowa City called the Mission Creek oh, Festival. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never been actually, there. It started here. Right? There was a Mission Creek Festival here. Oh. And the guy who ran it, or at least one of the guys who ran it, moved to Iowa City and it's like much bigger there it's turned into this huge thing uh-huh, uh-huh. so we did it once before it was really fun oh that's interesting yeah. so where is it now Iowa yeah wow I mean I'm not, you know, I had no reason to ever be there other than this festival but, but when I went there it was like cool it's like a really um, it's a big writers college there and so everyone there is really literary and it's like there's all these uh, readings going on at the same time so you can be in a building and somebody's reading from their, their new novel and then right mm-hmm. next door is like full on punk rock Oh, nice. And w- what's the college called? Oh, shit. Uh, Iowa State. I feel the Iowa State. <laughs> well, now I have a reason to check it out if I'm ever in the area. <laughs> and how did you make that connection to go out there? Uh, like I said, we played the Mission Creek Festival, and uh, a good friend, Andre Perry, who, oh, okay. who runs it out there. So, mm-hmm. um, he plays in a band called The Lonely Hearts, who uh, we've played with a bunch of times, too. Like, we're, we're close. 
Very cool. And who would you say are your biggest influences musically or not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it moves around. Like, you know, the, the story of Fake Your Own Death is um, a lot of different evolutions because it actually came out of my band Elephone that we did, like, in the early aughts. I guess it was, like, 2003 or something, 2005, mm-hmm. maybe. I can't mm-hmm. remember. And, um, but basically... Um, you know, my listening range uh, was really uh, tied to Sonic Youth. I really, um, growing up with Sonic Youth and just watching them evolve and, and listening to all the other iterations of the side projects and all of that, even their label, um, they were a big influence on me. We also, you know, of course, we have a lot of, if you listen to us, you'll hear like Echo and the Bunny Men and Jesus mm-hmm. and Mary Chain mm-hmm. and, um, more brooding sort of like cure stuff and like that like oh, like, yeah. like definitely like a mixture of sort of late 80s early 90s stuff have you heard of a cure cover band called just like heaven no but that oh. sounds like a cure cover band. Like they were there. really good they played at the fireside lounge in alameda oh, cool. i guess i'm going to alameda more often these days but um yeah they were super good i was like are you sure this isn't the real cure because he yeah. i remember the lead singer he kind of got into character trying to look like robert smith and he walked by and i was like this is gonna be insane it's <laughs> a real living doing that you know yeah. like being a like actually going into character and being cover band mm-hmm. um you go to mm-hmm. vegas and all that it's nothing I would ever do, but no. I, I do appreciate the art form, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And have you seen some of those bands live? The Cure? and I never You know, I never see. saw The Cure. Um, when By the time I was old enough to go see them, they were just so overblown stadiums, and that, that just wasn't my thing. I was yeah. like, I like the small little dirty clubs. Yeah. But um, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. even now I would if they were coming around and, and somebody gave me a backstage pass where I didn't have to watch <laughs> them from the sea of heads. If I could watch oh, them from the gosh. side of the stage, I would. Yeah, because I think they played they played a couple nights at the sh- at Shoreline, right, yeah. in the Hollywood Bowl. And People I who went said so they're all gone. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed out. It was like all my friends went, and I was the only one that didn't go because I was in L.A. doing something down there, and I was like, oh, they'll be back. I think 2019 they're going to be playing a couple festivals this yeah, year. Yeah, I read that too. That's cool. So that'll be dope. And um, are you writing new music as well? Um, are you going to be releasing new material this year? Yeah, I mean, we um, so we put out an EP in 2018 around May. Believe, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a string of EPs. We've done um, three EPs in a row, and we sort of got to this point where we we're like, you know what? Let's make a record again. Like, let's make a full, you know, full-length album. Mm-hmm. And after playing a whole bunch of summer shows and whatnot, um, we started writing it. And the, our process is pretty slow because we like to, like I said, we like to record it first and then and then pick it apart and then re-record it and pick it apart. Um, you know, play it out live a little bit and pick it apart. Mm-hmm. So I would say we're about six songs in to what will be a, you know, like a 10 song LP. So we're still writing. So we're still writing pre-production and actually recording too. We started recording one song um, called Doing Crimes, Crimes, <laughs> which is actually a, uh, interesting because when I, I live in Pacifica now mm-hmm. and I rented this small little shack. And when I first moved there, it was right on the, real close to the beach it was all overgrown with weeds and everything and um we had to like get all the stuff out and my wife hired this like young guy to come and cut it all down for like 200 bucks oh wow and 
she paid him up front you know that's something you never do and he just took off and he was just gone and he never came back and so you know I tried I got I'm like I just moved to this little tiny nowhere town and yeah. already I got ripped off so I tried to um, find this guy I'm calling him I'm emailing him mm-hmm. not getting back mm-hmm. so if I finally get like all nasty about it and I'm like I'm gonna post things online you know don't hire this guy this and that finally some guy gets back to me and he says hey this kid's name is Elliot he's like you know Elliot uh, is in rehab like he has a major uh, meth problem and his parents committed him and like this and that and I was like Ugh. and then I felt like crap because yeah. I smeared this guy right. so I wrote a song about it it's <laughs> <laughs> a good story not gonna lie uh, should we listen to one of the oldies but goodies sure uh, how about bombs don't show up yeah that's a great one okay let's see what we get
Lessons that we have to teach our children. <laughs> How's that going? It's really good. I uh, I, was, I haven't heard that song in a long time. I was just thinking about it. It's it's uh, it's got to be five years old. Maybe oh really? More. Oh okay. Um, I don't know. Like an early iteration of the band. Really? I don't know. It like brings me back to like a better time. It does. <laughs> or it's, like it's very sort of like. Has that dance punk sort of mm-hmm. 90s feel that was going around for a yep. while. But um, that drummer, actually, the drummer in there, like that is so good at that particular beat, yeah. is the drummer from Every Move Picture. Oh, so he, I remember uh, that. Dan Francisco. Uh-huh. And like, as far as I'm concerned, he invented that beat. Like, like he's, he's got that just playing like a, a drum machine. <laughs> He's a human drum machine. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how did the new formation of the band come together? Well, um, I think it was three years ago now that um, I spent some time in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I went out there for, um, I was actually studying the fall of communism <laughs> on the, the dime of the American government, which is another story. Uh-huh. But the... Uh, I wrote a bunch of songs out there and I came back and I just didn't want to do them in the same sort of way that Figure on Death was was working songs and this I wanted it to sound looser I wanted it to sound kind of more garagey maybe and so um, I met up with um, Scott Eberhardt who's my drummer right now mm-hmm. and he and I started playing and we started playing with different um, bass players a couple different guitar players um, and uh, we finally settled on um Izzy Chavarine and uh, Jimmy Chen and you know Izzy was from The Frail and Jimmy's from um, 100 Days mm-hmm. both of them just total seasoned players and um, it, we just started playing shows immediately like we, we, we recorded those songs uh, we put them out actually under a different name called El Terrible which is like my nickname <laughs> and because we thought it was going to be a different band but we soon realized that it's really the same band just a different lineup and different style mm-hmm. so we brought it back into the fake your own death umbrella mm-hmm. and how do you how would you describe the music in terms of how it's evolved compared to what we just heard i just think it's a little bit more um i don't know what they're, i mean it's we're definitely still in that sort of moody sort of realm mm-hmm. but um all of the the synthesizer sounds and all that have kind of taken the back seat to just more guitar like just more rock um, we're definitely, um, you know, live. We're, we're we've always been really dynamic and really loose, and not necessarily like sound like a 
uh, machine. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always, you know, I never wanted to like play with click tracks or anything like that. You know, even though I love a lot of those bands, it's just like our stuff is just a lot more. Um, it has like a, a kind of a grungy feel to it. Like I said, mm-hmm. like I, I listened. Did I say this already? Oh, the, no. I, I basically was like raised on Sonic Youth. Yeah. And so like I, uh, I just felt like you know I wanted to go back to that feel. That, that, yes. That's how I first started off. That's how even Elephone first started off. My my band that was going on a long time ago. Um, and so I just want to go back to that feel. Yes, and I hope that music does in general. I mean, it's great that we have all this technology now, but can I point out this board is from 1982? Yeah. It looks like it. <laughs> got like just, a game of Pong on the top of it there. Right? <laughs> it's had better days, but hey. Um, now, those things are built to last forever. Yeah, and I think it was like found on Craigslist or at a garage sale or something like over 10 years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we inherited it. That's wonderful. But, um, you know, we've got an up-to-date mixer. We have, you know, computerized stuff going on. But I think it, it's interesting how, you know, bands like the Foo Fighters, like they were kind of, you know, becoming bigger and bigger. But then they decided to start recording their albums in the garage using right. analog. Do you feel like that started a new trend? Yeah, well, you know, John Vanderslice and Tiny Telephone kind of uh, been doing that forever. Mm. And that's been a huge influence over the whole San Francisco music scene as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And even when they're running things through ones and zeros, it's all going back onto these analog tape machines right. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, I think that's a sound. You know, like I did a whole record with um, doing that. Like, where, you know, the first Figure on Death record was actually done in a, in a big studio, but it was all through... Um, all on tape machines and then you know into Pro Tools and back on the tape machines mm-hmm. and it makes it sound different I know that they can they, you know everyone tells me that you know Pro Tools has gotten to the point now where it can kind of mm. uh, do that sound without actually doing it and maybe that's true but it's sort of like uh, you know listening to something on a on a record player versus a CD like it's yeah. I, I hear something different do you? and also it's a, you know if you have limitations in the studio you, you record differently like you allow there to be more space and you don't necessarily try to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was really cool. You know, when I was growing up, like you know, we used to do recordings on four tracks and like make the most of it. And, you know, recently our, our last EP we did, we recorded, um, in, uh, in a rehearsal studio with just like two mics on the drums and just use really good compressors and stuff. But the whole thing was just, um, real lo-fi and, and that <laughs> gave it a, a feel that I think is really kind of, urgent sounding it sounds sounds really like um like there's the space the, the space is collapsed between like the listener and the and the, and the music itself mm-hmm. yeah that sounds awesome and in terms of this new material that you're recording is that more not in the rehearsal studio but like in the pleasure of your own home <laughs> yeah i <laughs> mean convenience. we haven't totally decided I, i'm i'm actually working with a couple of different producers right now and um the uh, you know, one of them is our uh, our studio mate, you know, her studio mate that uh, he's got the whole setup in there. So we said we are mm. doing stuff in there. We're also doing stuff out in um, East Bay, mm-hmm. and so um, we're gonna figure that out. But I don't think we're gonna go for a, a hi-fi sound for sure. We're gonna keep it kind of organic sounding. This might be a weird question, and you can take it however you want to take it. Are there still bands? in San Francisco, like based in San Francisco, or is it pretty much like outsourcing now? So I, I, my New Year's resolution was to not talk shit about other bands anymore. <laughs> but 
the uh, or you know here we go or, you know fan or same, here we go. I, I've become really like kind of bitter but the uh, the reality is um, I meet I, I know bands that live in San Francisco I mean like uh, my drummer lives in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, it's just people that are scrappy they figured out ways like you know you were telling me you still live here yes and people have figured out ways to just keep, hold on to their apartments and you know Secret Studios off Cesar Chavez is still rocking in there and it's always full so there's bands here for sure good but there's also a lot of bands that are popping up from um, this whole the whole Silicon Valley takeover and you see them because you'll go to bottom of the hill and they have a full lighting rig with lasers and like all this stuff. And you're like, wow, you're like a, this little baby band is just opening up for us. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's like they've invested, you know, $20,000 in this whole system. What? And obviously they have, you know, somebody in the band has a big salary. Oh. And this is how they that was, that was their starting point. You know, they started with technology and then went to the music. Interesting. I, uh, I never had that approach. Like I still don't even write songs on the computer like you know every, most bands these days just record you know tracks mm-hmm. on the computer and, mm-hmm. and then overlap them and then they come up with a song that way wow I still do it with the band the live band and we, we write that way and then so we don't bring it to the technology until it's pretty refined mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting I didn't I guess I haven't experienced that because I'm mostly going to see you know bands like you or you know some of the bigger stadium shows or at the Warfield. but I get what you're saying I mean sometimes the the opening acts they have the synthesizer and they have the whole you know theater performance and you're like wait I'm here to see the damned what's going on oh my god I want to that show so bad <laughs> oh, I love I tell you I love the damned in our original bio I wrote down that that was a huge influence, and like everyone's like, "How old are you?" I'm like, oh, the damned were so good. <laughs> They're still really good. Um, I went. I saw them when I was a teenager, and then I. I think when I moved to the Bay Area, I'm not from here originally. I saw them again, and then it was like a period of eight to ten years went by, and I was like, "They're still around. I'm going to see them." <laughs> yeah. Um, I had older friends. I, we all worked at this golf course, and we used to just kind of hang out there all day and not work. And a lot of older friends who uh, mm-hmm. used to go into, and I, this was in LA, mm-hmm. used to go into Hollywood and um, The Damned was like one of the biggest bands that they would always talk about. So I was always super like turned on by The Clash and The Damned and yes. all these British bands that were coming over. Mm-hmm. The Good Times. Who else did you see? <laughs> ever in my life. The Sex Pistols. No, I never saw them? I, like, like the oldest thing I saw is Who's Could Do. Oh, I was I super young, but I, I got to go down to, um, I think it was the Roxy, actually, oh, nice. um, with some friends, mm-hmm. and it was either like an 18 and over show or something, whatever it was, I snuck in, I had some kind of fake ID, and I Me was able to, um, <laughs> to see them, and mm-hmm. it blew me away. And the, the awesome thing about it is just two years ago at Noise Pop, Figure on Death opened for Bob Mould um, at Bottom of the Hill. Oh yeah, he's coming, right, Bob Mould. He's coming again. But mm-hmm. last time we played, we we, we opened for him, and um, cool. and they actually, and it wasn't Bob Mould; it was Sugar. Remember that band Sugar that they did for a while? Mm-mm. After Who's Could Do, he did a, he had a project called Sugar, which is just Sugar. like two albums, I think, and they they played as Sugar, and they played the whole record, um, like their you know essential record, and it was amazing. It was just as amazing when I saw as when I saw Who's Could Do. That's amazing. Are there any good shows coming up that we should know about? Yours, um, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, when we book them. Um, TBD. You, you know, I've been kind of out of it, but I, I know that we were trying. We, we, so last year, maybe it was two years ago, mm-hmm. 
we played with Gang of Four when they oh, came through. They're so great. The yeah. new lineup. And is even though like, it's just the guitar player, right? And it's kind of weird to see like a very young guy like singing the song. Like it's it's not you know, but he he sounds just like him, and it's uh, they're still great. This, and that, that's uh, like in yeah. a couple of weeks. We, yes. Yeah beginning of February. It's funny because I was lucky enough to see, I think maybe one of the last tours they did with the original lineup mm-hmm. when I was in, I think I was in high school. No, I was in college. And then when I moved here, you know, there was another period of five to 10 years and then they like came back, came back. And then I was like, Oh, I got to interview them. And I got to go on the tour bus and talk to him, talk to Andy. And then the guys were like brushing their teeth. They were just like super chill, like laid yeah. back. He still is, you know, yeah. we were hanging out. We played at uh, the new parish in Oakland. He was like, where do I get something to eat? And I'm like, oh, let's go walk down the street. <laughs> you know? I know where to go. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's, it's kind of rare, but it still exists. Like people will just, you know, well, also like, you know, he's, you know, in a sense, I guess they're cashing in on their celebrity from, 20 years ago but yeah. the the fact that he's still doing it mm-hmm. and you know still just like um, really working class about it and yeah. just like like when I saw Peter Murphy it's like the same thing it was like Peter Murphy's not traveling with an entourage and play, like he's playing these small little places like mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. did he do the chapel thing did that ever happen I don't know I don't think that happened it happened because he got immigration issues but he had played uh, yeah. in Oakland before that and it was just cool just to see this guy who's probably 60 at this point mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just, you know, banging it out like he was just a, a, a band playing in clubs. What happened at that venue, though? Didn't he get arrested? Oh, yeah. That, that's in <laughs> Europe somewhere. Hey, <laughs> through the class of the sound guy? Something moronic. <laughs> I don't know. Something, something happened there. Um, I did want to see Echo and the Bunnymen. I saw them a couple of years ago, and it was great at the Regency. Yeah. But then I didn't make it to the show at the Masonic. It was like on a Monday or something. I don't yeah, know what exactly. happened. I had seen them before that at the um, river. That, what's that? Winery Mount Winery. Oh yeah, I went there yeah. too this last year. And uh, you know, a friend had was able to get us to go be able to hang out on the side of stage and back. So it was, I was so excited. Like I love this band, and uh, Ian McCullough was just so drunk. I mean, just oh, so drunk, like, and, and like literally had a bar on stage with him. So like every time he wasn't singing, he was back at the bar and just sort of like, you know, barely singing and kind of mumbling through the words. And wow. so I don't know, that, that was just my experience. That's crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, uh, there were some moments. Yeah. yeah. That's a I bummer. I was disappointed on the overall experience. Bummer. Uh, well, anyways, here's to 2019 and some great experiences. Yeah. Um, any uh, New Year's resolutions that you want to share with us? Yeah, you know, and just in general, like I'm tired of complaining about what's happening in San Francisco. Yeah, and like I, I feel like every conversation ends up there. Yeah, and I just want to stop doing that. Yes. I just want to like be more present and like what's you know what's great about it still and being in the moment of it. Mutiny Radio still kicking exactly. it. Exactly. I don't Look know how we're place. doing it. How are we still here? But we are. The story of this place, too, <laughs> as an actual employee mutiny yeah. over the guy who was running it, who was like, yeah. ripped everybody off. With it. I mean, this is a great story. It was. And I literally started here, like, right as that was as that was taking place. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going <laughs> to happen. But, I'm, you know, I, I rode through it as, as long as I could. And, you know, and we have better management now. Yeah. You know, it's, now, this neighborhood is still great, you know. Like, yeah. I used to live right by the J&P. I'd hang out there. Omotate. Um, 
you know, good all stuff. The coffee you can drink in the world. And then you got 24th Street, which is still old mission. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, 24th Street has changed. There's some restaurants and some that, but it's right. so eclectic. It really and is. It's still so Hispanic, and it's it's awesome. Did you ever go to Papalotes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still there. Yeah. I just. That's like, a, yeah. that, that's almost a franchise now. Yes. Like he's places. got I do love two it. of them. And then yeah. he's, he's trying to do a food truck now. Obviously, I'm a fan. Yeah. But. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I just, I think I'm more wary of, or more aware of where I'm putting my money at. And I try to like support those people, you know, cause is that your resolution? What's your resolution? My resolution is be healthy, be happy, um, be open to, you know, trying new things, having new experiences, all that boring shit. Yeah, that's good. I also want to stop losing things. Like yeah. I lost my glasses two days ago. No. So I'm walking around with no. sunglasses on 24 hours a day. I was like, is he okay? <laughs> it's, What's uh, going on? It's, I mean, like, I think like I have to explain it to every, everywhere I walk in, I'm getting a cup of coffee and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing sunglasses. It's, it's 10 at night. I get it, but it's, I lost my glasses. So. Wait, are they the, the reflection or the ones that change during the day? What are those called? No, no, these are just straight. Yeah, I don't remember. They, I know what you're talking about. Splendor. No, these are just my sunglasses, but they're prescription, so I can wear them. So nice. I'm basically just waiting it out till I can get a new pair. And those those aren't cheap, from what I've heard. Nope. Fingers crossed for you. Should we play another song, uh, an oldie, or did you want to play something for us? Um, why don't we play another song first? Yeah. So I tune up. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to play something? Uh, are you asking me what song to play? Headphones is on the the list. Mouth to speak. Tijuana. Um, why don't we play uh, Mouth to Speak? Because that's a uh, that was like our original sort of like breakout song. Nice. Mouth to speak. It is. Okay. 
going into the next song. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> yeah, so how did those songs come to be? What was the songwriting process like? Well, we're going back to the beginning of the band. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I had met up, so I've been writing, I was in a band called Elephone, mm-hmm. and we had this long, like, really gross sort of, like, implosion um, after we had gotten a record deal. And it, um, it just like got sour. Everybody got mad, and it just it, we just had to get out of it. Yeah. But in in that time, I, I kept writing. I, I had written a lot of the songs for Elephone, and I kept writing songs that I just wasn't ready to to share with that band because I was so like kind of bitter about it. So I had all these songs. So then, um, as soon as it broke up, I got together with a drummer named Dave Lentz, and um, he knew another um, kind of multi instrumentalist named Keith Ensign. Mm-hmm. And we, we put together this three-piece band, and we started recording. We started recording with a producer named Sean Beresford. And um, oddly enough, he had access to a studio inside Peter Getty's mansion oh, in wow. Heights because um, <laughs> Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind oh, yeah. lived there. Oh, nice. And <laughs> so Sean had access to it because he was managing the studio. And so we'd go in there at, like, midnight, uh-huh. and we'd take over the studio, and that's how we recorded it. Uh-huh. And uh, we did, you know, most of those, those songs are just like quick takes, but they, um, it took a long time to do because we could only get in there when it wasn't being used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of a, a nice backstory. Is Peter the son of John Paul? Or I the guess so. I think he's like the black sheep of the family. I, I was there once and he threw a party uh-huh. and it was nuts. It was <laughs> like, I mean... I'm not, I shouldn't say anything, but I I think, (laughs) but the things that were going on there were like, Uh it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. Definitely was, and he, uh, and he just sat in his room the whole time, like Great Gatsby. Interesting. Because the studio was right across from his room. So I saw him, he never came out, never like, you know, walked around and talked to the guests. I feel like there's a lot of mental illness with people who have money, rich families. Not sure what the parallel is there, but sounds like it was a hoot. But the uh, the experience was great, and I, I still um, Sean mm-hmm. and I still talk a lot now, and we're uh, talking about working together again. So it's gonna be awesome. That's amazing. So where do you see the band going over the next few years? You know, I mean, the whole idea of world domination is sort of like flown for me. Like I <laughs> I, I used to really feel like this is this band, you know, should be um, doing everything. And we should be mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And that was our attitude. And um, but I think over time, I just sort of like got to the point where I just don't want to market or sell or process or buy anything. And I've sort of like we've kind of kept it sort of like as this um, small community sort of uh, we're going to do everything ourselves, you know, village mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. atmosphere. And so where it goes is, is just we're just broadening the circle. We're just bringing more people in. And we want to do a tour of Europe. That's that's our plan for this next album. Like, we do the album, and then we'll do a, a European tour. Um, but it's not in place yet. And, um, you know, as far as I know, we're going to do some festivals and play regional tours. Um, but we just keep going. You know, it's, it's like a, I can't, like, even when I think, like, oh, maybe we should give it a rest. Like, something always keeps us from leaving. We always come back into it. Mm-hmm. So... Just kind of like lifers. Yes. 
I think that happens here at the station too. I'm like, oh, do we have to keep doing this? <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, like I got into this festival and oh, I got that interview, you know, like little bits and pieces here and there. I'm like, yeah. well, that's why I'm still here. Like if I wasn't getting anything out of it, why would we still be doing what we're doing? Yeah. And it does get, I mean, like, I think a lot of people get discouraged, you know, mm-hmm. it's, especially the whole industry is like lost a way to monetize most of like, um, at least indie rock. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. So I just threw all that out. Like, I just don't care about any of that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now I, I only do it for the purity of like writing, recording and playing and, and that's it. I have other ways to like, you know, take care of myself. Woohoo. Amen for eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, I didn't choose eighth grade. <laughs> kind of chose me. Oh, were they like, you're being punished. So you get to do the last year of middle school. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's a great school. I actually have awesome students. It's a progressive school, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just a cool job. Cause it gives me a lot of freedom in the summer and like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. other times to work on music and it's a very creative job, you know, teaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm actually like writing a piece right now about how we've framed teachers as these people who are martyrs. And that's like the wrong way to do it. Cause you're attracting the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Teachers should be like artists. They should be cool. Yes. It should be seen as a cool job. Um, and it is. It's like, it's just framed by society in, in that way. So, you know, I don't code shift between being, you know, dude in a van driving up to Portland <laughs> to being in the classroom discussing, you know, Plato. It's the same, same person. Wait, Plato or Play-Doh? Both. Depends on the day. <laughs> you can talk about Plato's forms with, with Play-Doh. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I miss school, but then other times I'm like, I can't stand this. Yeah, that's the problem. Like our whole school system is like one that everybody's just like, school sucks. Let's get out. You know? Yeah. It's like, and it's not always like that in other countries. Like it, it doesn't have to be that way. In Europe, uh, or is it uh, UK? They get like a gap year after they, before they go to college. Something like that. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I would have benefited from that. I mean, I kind of did that for a summer, but I think it would have been great to do right. that for a year. And also, like, if you didn't go into massive debt to go to college. That too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll never pay off my college loans. Really? And the reality is, like, uh, my wife's German, and it's like, if uh, we'd been in Germany, or, you know, if she would have stayed in Germany and grown up there, mm-hmm. she would have gone to college for free. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Yeah. But um, I think now, if you live in, if you're a resident of San Francisco, community college is free, right? I heard that. That's awesome. I know they're trying to do it in New York, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got pretty lucky. I got to go to school for, I got to go to community college for free, and then I got grants for um, college as well. But that's only because I had one sole parent who was the provider. So that kind of worked out for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, the idea that community college should be free for everybody is yeah. like, it's just an obvious thing. That's what Bernie Sanders was running on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's so great. I mean, I, you know, as much as I get down about San Francisco, sometimes I do always remember that this is such a progressive place. Yes. And California is such a rebellious state right now. Just being from California is bad. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it. Keep keep on keeping on, as they say. Um, are you going to the women's march? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you an invite. I, I have uh, to uh, start reading uh, newspapers again. I like been on a two week break. I've just been like, yeah, I've yeah. Been no, it's in other things. 
I have to say during the holidays, I didn't, my, it's funny, my, I was, uh, in Los Angeles where my family is and they don't have a TV. So I was just not watching CNN. I mean, I had my phone, but it was like, I felt like I was cut off. And then yeah. when I came back, I was like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> I tried to purposely cut myself off cause I didn't go anywhere. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to have like a staycation and yeah. because I live down at the beach now, I can kind of like, you know, really feel like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Nice just read books and working on music and stuff. So I tried to stay out of it. But how, how, what age did you feel like you wanted to do that? Like just kind of go away from it all. I, I, you know, it's always been up in the air. Like even when I moved to San Francisco, I was living in um, Silver Lake down in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And uh, I was playing in a, a, a punk band called 12 and counting at the time. And we, mm-hmm. uh, we would tour through here all the time. And I was like, oh, I, I love, you know, all of Northern California, but I don't want to live in another city. So I was going to go to Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I was like, Santa Cruz is kind of like this, like faux hippie town. With, yeah. uh, I shouldn't say that, but whatever it, it was, it didn't fit for me. And then, so then I came up here and I actually lived in the tenderloin for right a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, were, what was the question? <laughs> My question oh, when was, did I that, that yeah, I'm when did out. you decide to I just kind of... you know, like I said, I, I lived in the mission. I lived right on the corner from here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we just got priced out, you know. And then through the school I worked at, um, somebody heard about this house that was up for rent. And it was a little too much for me, but it was like, it was on the beach in Pacifica. I'd never been to Pacifica. I was like, oh, I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. And I went down there and the house was okay. But I love the location. There's a trail right from my front yard. It goes all the way up to what's called Maury Point. It's just okay. like this cool little spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. Let's go back and talk to the guy. And so we talked to him. And I'm like, oh, well, we can't really afford the rent. He's like, how much can you afford? I'm like, well, this is what I'm paying. He's like, okay, but you got to sign now. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, <laughs> we have a cat. And you said no pets. He's like, fine, sign now. I'm like, we oh even God. told our like landlord and, and the mission. But we did it. We're just like, fuck it. We just signed it. And then we came back and we told our landlord, she's like, hell yeah, I'll have a party and double the rent. So it was like, no big deal. So we just like, so it didn't really, it wasn't a choice so much as it was just this thing that happened. But now I really like it. There's a cool little punk rock bar out there called Winters. I've heard of it. Winters Tavern. Yeah. A lot of bands play there. You got Winters, you got a a Grow, Taqueria. Ooh. Um, Nothing else. I might have to pay a visit (laughs) (laughs) when it gets warmer. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a busy uh, couple months. Like there's just a lot of events happening. Um, you know, uh, noise pop is going to be happening, so that'll be good. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Have you heard, have you heard of a band called Monochrome Set from the? It was a band called Monochrome. Mm-hmm. Monochrome mm-hmm. Set. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were kind of like obscure, I want to say alternative 80s, because they were definitely not popular, but I don't know, I've kind of been into them over the years, and then all of a sudden I saw they were like actually touring like the state, so I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, so I'm go, I'm really curious like how it's going to be Where's live. That? Where's that show? It's going to be at the rickshaw stop on March 8th. Oh, awesome. So definitely yeah, I'll check it out. recommended. And um, did you want to play another song? Yeah. Can we try something off the EP that came out last year? Um, or do you have is it on or... here? I don't know if that's on here. Yeah. Oh, wait. El, Terrib- El Terrible? No, it's uh, after that. It's called um, uh, Shortest Poem, Haste to Lose. It's like a big kind of like flaming monster on the cover.
Maybe it's hidden from view. <laughs> this song, We're All Just Children, uh, all just children. was just kind of came out of a jam in the studio. Like, I'd been listening to a lot of Nick Cave at the time, and um, I went and saw the show at uh, the Berkeley Club, oh, Greek, yeah. and it was like life changing. Was it? it was like going to, you know, the holiest, holiest, holy place. And I mean, he's this old guy just like jumping in the audience, grabbing people by the throat and singing down their, the, the, into their faces and scaring the fuck out of people. <laughs> and, it. um, it was awesome. And so, um, I wanted to just do a song kind of in that spirit. That's a little bit kind of a, of a trance and it's a, it's sort of a, just a story. I see. I'm just going to think somebody's trying to sh shove the microphone down my throat. How's that? Good. That's the effect we want.
That was a nice one. I feel like this is stuff I, sh- I should have been listening to. So now I will. Well, like this EP kind of eked out this year and, um, you know, it, it got reviewed here and there, but um, we didn't really have a label um, this time around. And so it, it sort of like came and went, which is um, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. uh, it's still alive. Like we're um, still playing those songs. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Nice. And um, so hopefully you'll be doing some shows in February. Yeah, I mean more more March probably, but March it, 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 end of February, beginning of March. I mean, people are still filling up their calendars, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's still the it's, rest uh, of the year. You know, there's a lot of like good shows coming up, the independent and stuff that yes. we, were, we were looking to to get sports slots for. So, do you like the coat hangers? Yeah. I really like them. I went to this festival. You probably remember it. Petrero del Sol. Oh, yeah. They don't do that anymore, right? They don't. So I think I went to the last year that they did it, and I was like, whoa, this is like, I wish all festivals were like this. Well, it's like also right here, right? It's yeah. like the skateboard park mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. It was so organic and yes. you know, not commercial in any way. Yes. Um, it was great. God, I miss that. Those guys, um, what's their blog site called? Barry Bridge. Those guys did it. Oh, yeah. okay. I but should follow I guess, them. I think they just lost a lot of money. I can imagine it's expensive to get like the permit and all that yeah. stuff, right? <sighs> I'm thinking in Iowa, it's probably a lot easier to do that. Well, the Iowa one's more like noise pop. It's in multiple venues all over the city. Oh, neat. So um, I don't know if they're making money, but I mean, it's it's probably cheaper, yeah. Yeah, and they do, it used to be us doing the block party, but now it's noise pop doing a block yeah, party yeah. during the summer. Yeah, no, that's cool. I went last year. Oh, that was cool. Uh, who played last year that was good? Uh, I can't remember. I mean, I remember <laughs> seeing um, uh, Tao and the Get Down Stay Down two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember. It was somebody. Yeah, somebody did. Somebody memorable. <laughs> there was one band I remember that was like 12-year-old kids up there. That was kind of insane. Oh, wow. They tend to like, at that festival, they tend to like get a little... Um, they take risks. Like there's some there's some stuff that's not, you know, high profile stuff for noise pop to you know, like they do some some stuff that they wouldn't normally do. Risks cool. are fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing from the bigger festivals now. I look at the lineup and I'm like, Nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much mo- it's all about like how much money they can make. I think it's just so expensive right? to do it. You know, I mean Treasure Island's just decided to close doors. Oh, was, was this year the last or last oh, maybe year? That's not, maybe that's not public. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, they, I never went. So as far fine. as I know, it's done. Like I, I talked to um, the promoters recently. Yeah. Because um, they changed locations in Oakland and it was cool. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, I think they just lost a lot of money. Yeah. It's all down to the money. Well, I'm okay with the small festivals here and there, but the big festival that I really enjoyed was Riot Fest. And I didn't go last year. I went the year before and it was like, <laughs> I went to, I saw New Order, Ministry, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. So it was more like, you know, kind of like how Warp Tour mixed uh, with like a little bit of 80s in there. Is it a touring there. festival? Um, it used to be. I think now they're just staying in Chicago, but I think before they did like Denver and then they did, I don't know if they did Texas, but they did a couple other spots, you know, over the years, but then they figured out, oh, we'll just stay in one spot. And yeah, like Lollapalooza did eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I like about, you know, the idea of going to Europe this summer after our, our record comes out because there's so many festivals there and it's so yeah. easy to do there and they're so calm and just like, you know, everybody plays them. Like you go to these things and you'll see like everybody who's on tour at this festival. It's great. Did you ever go to Glastonbury? I've never, no. Oh, me neither. I don't know how I would do it. I mean, it just seems like never ending stages and music and fun. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're in another country, I can tolerate that. Like, like yeah. if I'm here and I have to like race from one stage to the other, yeah. it's like a mob, like I mm. get claustrophobic right away. There's something about Europeans. They're just like so cool and chill about it that like they people really aren't are. fighting to get up front and stuff. That's yeah. really true. I didn't think about that. Oh, you know, what's what's a good one? And what's the one in Barcelona that's really popular? That one sometimes has a really good yeah, lineup. Remember. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm not going to be able to recall all these names, <laughs> but I do know there's a festival in Barcelona. Yeah, we'll look it up later. But um, that one, maybe one of these days, I'll make it there. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what was it like when you were in Berlin? Um, how would you compare it to... Uh, San Francisco is it definitely you know they're kind of out there well Berlin is amazing I mean it's mm-hmm. actually pretty cheap compared to the rest of Germany and the rest of Europe because it's, oh, wow. it's this whole like east meets west thing uh-huh. and uh-huh. they're still getting over it's like there are literally whole buildings that are just nobody knows who owns it so it's the people are just squatting there wow. and they've built bars into it and venues into it mm-hmm. there's live music everywhere in Berlin and there's also a huge DJ scene like the biggest probably um, you know, after hour stuff. So it's like all that's happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just really international. You hear so many languages there. Everybody speaks English. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh-huh. But the, uh, um, it feels sort of like history is everywhere. You just see like, you know, there'll be like a, a you know, a statue of, of Stalin, you know, mm-hmm. and then you'll see a Jewish cemetery. And then there's like, you know, the piece of the Berlin wall that's there still up. And some sometimes the bars are built right into these places, these bombed out buildings, and there's a bar built in it. So you're like there, and it's like you, know, you just feel like the actual history. So I loved it. Um, I was there for maybe two two and a half months, and um, that's where I you know I'd written a bunch of these songs. Um, I was actually I lived above a bar called White Trash Tattoo. It's <laughs> like a venue slash uh, hamburger joint. Um, <laughs> It was cool, yeah. How was the food? <laughs> well, I mean, everybody eats these Donner kebab things that you, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. on the, you know, from little street carts. Yeah. Um, but, like, I eat amazing Thai food, you know, mm. in Berlin. Like, it's just really international. You get great pizza, everything. Nice. Okay, it's going to be on my list for the next five years. <laughs> it's a very easy place to um, to go to because it's, it's cheap and you can get, you know, you can stay places cheap and so much to see. Mm-hmm. And um, if you were to ha- open for, you know, what, some of the bands that we talked about earlier, The Damned or The Clash are no longer around, obviously, but somebody who's still around, who would you choose? Um, I always thought that our music would go really well with the drums from England. Um, oh, I have to check them out. Sort of like, uh, you know, I've, I'm feeling that um, we would be we can kind of uh, go back and forth between sort of this straight kind of indie rock, mm-hmm. kind of shoegazy um, film school, you know, kind of, kind of music. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also like this real post-punk um, stuff that, that's starting to come out too. Um, you know, 
if I had, you know, if, if we could go back in time, you know, opening for the Stooges would be yes. amazing for us. You know? I think I saw the last tour that they did, 2011, 2012. Wow. So good. <laughs> He's still, I mean, Iggy's still at it, but it was cool to see like the Stooges before he decided to work with yeah, yeah. Queens of the Stone Age and all that. I saw that tour with uh, Josh Homme and all that. That was great. I and mean, it was like, he said it was his farewell tour, but you know, who knows? Like he'll, he'll come back next year. I mean, he's just like, every time you see him, you're like, he's still full of life. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Yeah, and he, I guess he's doing, you know, the collaborations, and I think he's like he's actually a, a radio show host in the UK, right? I think I heard that. Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's inspiring. Just cute, you know. There's a, there's a future out he's there. He said, you know, there's something superhuman about him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but just the vibe. This I, I like this whole like dangerous on like I used to see the Jesus lizard like back in the day and like they would like come out in the audience and like punch people and then get back on stage and it was like that was the punk rock that I grew up with was like this sort of you know late 80s early 90s kind of punk rock that um, you didn't know what was going to happen right hmm. I mean it was like it could be a riot in, in the place and I feel like every show with the studios must have been like that I never, oh, yeah. I never got to see him I wasn't old enough but you know I mean here he's like cutting himself with razor blades on stage <laughs> and like bleeding on the audience and <laughs> that kind of thing I think it, it's just it's what's missing from rock and roll in lots of ways I think it's become a little too refined and a little and I, I get there's a there's a you know place in time for bands to um, you know not uh, go over the top and just play music but I like the idea that um, it used to be there used to be a danger factor on stage yeah that that danger factor the artistry I would call it artistry like it's not just you know they stand there the whole time and look at you and don't even like introduce themselves or have a conversation yeah. with the audience it's just like they show up they do a job and then they leave it's like There's someone laughing maniacally in, in <laughs> what's right going on we want to know is it Trump? <laughs> Something bad happened. No. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's really hilarious. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on down. Um, did you want to play one more song to close this out? Yeah. Do you want me to play? Should I play a song? Yeah. Yeah. Play a song. Okay. That sounds good. And um yeah so if you're just tuning in or listening at a later time we'll see how this works let's see how this works um, on the ep we came out last year Mm -hmm. there was a a song called bottles which is just um acoustic guitar and uh, i thought i would try to reproduce it Grab your coat and put your shoes on Write your story till every word's gone And I don't like being tricked about being alive Kick my body out right next to mine 
asking, I'm hurt down too Underneath an empty room Further down a wrecking crew Further still zoo And I don't like being tricked about being alive Kick my body out right next to mine Circus, but I see it coming too. It's a song that's sad, not you. You've been conned. All those faces I never get. All those numbers don't forget. Bottles and bottles for fitting in. Bottles and bottles and bottles. Tragic joke, academy Punch drunk, misspoke, apology And I don't like being tricked about being alive Kick my body out right next to mine Low the skin of vacuum Underneath an empty room Further down a wrecking crew If I step down off this curb, I might disappear And if I step down off this curb, I might disappear Kick my body out right next to mine Because I don't like being tricked about being alive Circus, but I see you coming too. It's the song that's sad, not you. You've been conned. All those faces I never get, all those numbers don't forget. Bottles and bottles for fitting in. Bottles and bottles and bottles and bottles. And I see you coming. Nice. I was really getting into it. I was like, I want, You're I want to see out. this. I want to see the live show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it was. It was great to finally meet you in person. Yeah. I think it's been more like a an e relationship, an e friendship. Right. We also had to like reschedule a couple times. Yeah, I'm sorry like about that. Things that happened in the world. Yes, I think you had a business trip. And then my friend had her 40th birthday party, so. My business trip. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, to go to, I had to go to North Carolina. Oh, nice. How was it? It's cool down there. Chapel Hill. <laughs> That's a cool town. I've never been. Small. Never Great been. barbecue. Good barbecue. Yeah. <gasps> Lots of live music. Nice. And um, where else would you recommend going? In the world? <laughs> In the world, yeah. Um, Vietnam. It's a travel show. I've never been, but that's my that's that's where I want to go next. I bet the food is really yeah, good. Yeah, just for that reason alone. I want to go to. No, I, I think like just 
touring through Vietnam would be like a trip in every way. I mean, touring like as a tourist. Not, yeah, it'd be great as a band too. I don't know. Yeah. If that's, I, don't, I don't know if it's a thing. <laughs> Play in the fields. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> have the acoustic setup. I don't Going know. They wouldn't. The river. They wouldn't have a like Colonel Kurtz. Like what? Going down the river like Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, that's Am right. I dating myself right now. That's right. That's I, I watched it a long time ago, <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> oh, it's going to be happening soon. So, <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on by, and we'll be catching. Let us know when you're going to be playing, and we'll make sure to post that on the site. Look at look for us on the internets. The internets on Facebook is that the right yeah, one? I don't know. Whatever. Just. Put Faking on Death, it'll come out. Faking on Death If you just put Faking on Death, you can get a lot of weird stuff. People will talk about how to fake their own Don't death. do it. Put Faking on Death banned. Yes. Do it the right way. And stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio.
Welcome to the new age. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. I am the infamous David fucking Stolowitz. Deal with it, assholes. This is Watch and Learn Open Mic. Capitol Bill Crow is off seeing Tom Segura. Mostly listening to stories. Probably having a really good time. The new age didn't turn out exactly the way we thought it would. There were no unicorns. There were no ascended masters descending and filling our hearts with love and light and fluffy bunnies. It's not that bright. So we are gathered here tonight to try to make it a little brighter, even if it doesn't go the way we all thought it would. We have a lovely lineup. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies, great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit 
thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Radio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Out here. 